Great to see you today. You may be seated. I'm delighted to have this time with you. It's wonderful to see every single one of you. Uh, this is a great church. It's healthy. It's strong. And um, I admire the strength, the health, the life that I sense here every time I come. Pastor Randon is in uh, Sugarland this morning. I asked him to speak uh, on the harbinger. How many of you enjoyed that message last week? Ask him to go do that for me in Sugarland, so that uh, I could come be with you. And um, Pastor Renee's in Nederland today, so we're kind of moving around a little bit and uh, covering all the congregations. And uh, it's my joy to be here with you and to share the word of the Lord with you. I was watching the uh, Angel Tree video and thinking, what a wonderful thing that is. And I, I'm so proud of this church for doing that every year for a lot of years now. I mean, I, it's been going on year after year for a long time. Uh, Sister Small has always headed that up with a great team of men and women that just know how to do it. And it's a great thing. And, and uh, I encourage you to be a part of that. And this week, uh, Brother Charles feeds uh, people on Thanksgiving from everywhere uh, that need a place to go. Uh, maybe their families are out of town or whatever their situation is. But he does a fabulous job of feeding them and just loving them at Thanksgiving. Um, and if you want to be a part of that, see uh, the Charleses and they'll get you plugged in. It's a very good thing. And I compliment you in it. <clears throat> Are you ready to study the scripture this morning? All right. I'm looking forward to opening the word with you and uh, sharing what I believe the spirit is saying to us um, at this time. Thank the Lord. So I want to ask you to go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 13, and we'll look at verse 14 uh, for our study today. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 13, we'll look at verse 14. This is the uh, one of the more famous or more well uh studied benedictions of the Apostle Paul as he closes the second letter to the Corinthian church. He writes, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Um, in this benediction, he brings in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and the, the benefits and the nature of our relationship with each of them. Uh, first of all, he says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and truth, John said, came by Jesus Christ. Then he talks about the love of the Father. John also said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Then finally, he talks about the communion of the Holy Spirit. And that's what I want to talk to you today about, the communion of the Holy Spirit. I've been feasting on this word for some time. Uh, and whatever I'm eating, I feed. Whatever I'm uh, meditating on and whatever is, is ner- uh, uh, feeding my spirit is normally what I, I share with others. And I want to take some time to share this with you because I feel like the Lord is, is talking to me about it and uh, talking to all of us as well. So just focus with me for the next few moments on the communion of the Holy Spirit. Uh, this fall... Uh, we had a word from the Lord that said it was going to be Holy Spirit fall with sort of a play on that word fall where that it would be um, in the fall season 
and that it would also be a falling of the Holy Spirit. We're sensing uh, momentum building in the services, just momentum. We've had a great deal of prayer going on throughout the body of Christ, throughout this great church for the last uh, several months, and just feel momentum building. Uh, Services that were really good, and you felt like almost got there, but didn't quite. That there could have been a breakthrough, but we didn't quite. Uh, It's like if we could have just gone a little bit further, done a little bit more, there, there would have been something really phenomenal that would have taken place. Uh, and we've been sensing that. As a matter of fact, when I look back over the years at the uh, sovereign moves of God, the, the outpourings that we've experienced here, prior to that outpouring, there was a momentum-building season when it felt like things were moving in the Spirit, and service after service, it was like, man, that was great, but it, it was just like something else was about to happen but didn't. And so uh, I sense that here. Uh, We felt that about this time of the year in 2010 going into 2011. And if you'll recall on about January the 13th, if my memory serves me well, uh, we had really an outpouring of the Holy Spirit right here. Just a sovereign wind of God. For about a month, our campuses were just inundated with the Holy Spirit. And miracles took place that were life-changing during that season. It was an outpouring. And I I sense that building right now, and I confess that, and I believe that. I don't know the future. I'm just telling you what I sense in the Spirit and uh, what I'm grasping for in faith. And I'm asking you to reach for it. Can you reach for that? Can you reach for that in your faith? Can you say amen? Amen. All right. So um, that's kind of where where I feel like we are uh, in God. What we need is more communion with the Holy Spirit throughout the week. Life has a tendency to crowd out the communion of the Holy Spirit. We live all busy, busy lives. And we're constantly in touch with cell phones and text and email. And and we have automobiles and everybody's got to have one because we're going somewhere all the time. And and every minute of the day is programmed, and, and uh, you know, I've got alerts on my phone, what's happening next, and what's happening uh, tomorrow, and you've got 15 minutes until, and, and just life works like that, busy, planned, every moment is, is, is uh, accounted for. And in this lifestyle that you and I live, the, the Holy Spirit gets crowded out. And real communion with the Spirit is compartmentalized to, well, you know, I go to church on Sundays and Wednesdays. Or maybe I have a a Bible study or or maybe I read my Bible at a certain time. And the Holy Spirit kind of gets compartmentalized to just certain times that we fit Him into our schedule. But when Paul talks about the communion of the Holy Spirit, he isn't talking about appointments we have with God periodically through the week and the month. But he's talking about walking with God and making God fit into the life that we live. It's futile to think that we're all going to somehow burn our cell phones. Stop getting text. Stop living on schedules. The lifestyle is set. It will change, but not by me or by you. And to think suddenly you're not going to live at the pace that life moves today and you're going to function in a business and function with raising kids and not be a part of it is really unrealistic. 
What we have to have is the communion of the Holy Spirit in the middle of the lifestyle that we live today. I suppose that when uh, life was slower at a different time and season, and when there were no cell phones and no text messages and no televisions and no vehicles to race 75 miles an hour down the highway, I'm sure there was lots of more time to just spend with God. But let's face it, that's not the way we live today and not likely the way our children are going to live. We have to have the communion of the Holy Spirit in the 21st century at the pace we are living life. And that's what I want to focus on with you this morning. There are four goals that I have set personally that I'd like for you to share with me. Four goals. First of all, to heighten our awareness of God. To heighten our awareness of God. I'm not talking about whether we believe God, in God, we know God, we can contact God. I'm just talking about that 24-7 awareness of God. Because we get so caught up in life that, that we, we lose the awareness of God. Just an awareness of God. The second goal that I want to set is to increase our communication with God. See, I believe that we can put God off to a, another portion of the day or the week and plan time with Him, and all of that is, is, uh, is wonderful and necessary. But what God is saying is, give me a minute. Give me three minutes. I'm thankful for the 30, but let's start with three. And I've found that if, if you and I will commune with the Holy Spirit and we have a greater awareness with God... That our communication is more constant than programmed, planned, an appointment we make. It's more constant. It's more all the time. And so, you know, you can do a lot of praying while you're driving in that automobile. And there are moments when you have downtime, when you're waiting at a doctor's office. Or you're waiting in line to pick up your children from school. There are moments we can spend with God that are extremely valuable. But if you're in a mindset that says, well, you know, at the end of the week or the end of the day or in the morning early, I'm going to set some time aside to pray. You miss all those golden moments waiting for a big block of time that all too often you don't ever even get to it at all. So what about those small moments to be in constant communication with God through the Holy Spirit? The third goal is to be more responsive to God. You know, the Holy Spirit whispers more often than thunders. The Holy Spirit gives you impressions and incentives. It moves you. It's what I call silent whispers. And as fast as light is, life is moving, that moment of opportunity when the Holy Spirit is, is impressing you to do something, giving you the incentive for something, um, is only a moment. And if you don't respond in that moment, it passes. It passes. How many times have I felt a word of knowledge or a word of faith for someone or an, an an instinctive knowing that something needed to be done or not need to be done or someone needed to be contacted. But in the pace of life, a text went off, a phone rang, an email came in, or someone had to have me for something. 
the window closes, it's gone. I'm asking God to make us more responsive in the moment. And finally, as a result, that we might be used of God more than ever before in our lifetimes. So I'm challenging you to join with me to walk in the communion of the Holy Spirit. The word communion in the Greek is koinonia, koinonia. It's used throughout your New Testament. And uh, when they moved it from the Greek language to the English language, there were several words that were chosen to translate the one word koinonia. Words like communion, fellowship, sharing. One translation uses the word contribution or giving. These these are all taken from the one word, koinonia. This koinonia describes our relationship with the Holy Spirit. It also describes the relationship that the early church had together, one with each other. So koinonia is a very important concept, a very important relationship that we have. It simply means to be relationally connected, working together. Mutually supportive, sharing freely. That's what koinonia is. If you've got a good marriage, you've got koinonia in that marriage. Uh, And that's what God wants us to have with Him through the Holy Spirit is that koinonia. And remember, in church doesn't count in today's message. Anybody can have koinonia in a good spirit-filled church with a bunch of spirit-filled believers and a bunch of loving pastors like Pastor Rand and Lindsay, right? And Dino and Lisa. I mean, anybody can have koinonia in this atmosphere. But we're not talking about in church. We're talking about in life. To have that oneness with God. Koinonia means walking together as one. Walking together as one. As one. The picture comes in my mind of two people dancing. Now, I'm not a dancer. Pastor Rand is not a dancer. It, it, it's nothing holy or spiritual. We just can't. It's ugly. Our poor wives, they struggle. They, there's no way they can dance with us. It's terrible. But there's some people can dance and dance quite well. Some of you here can dance, right? I know Willie and Jackie can dance. I went, on a, I went on a cruise with them. They can dance. Come on down here, Willie and Jackie. Chris, get up on the keyboard real quick. Come on down here, Willie. Come on, Willie. Willie, I'm trying to make a spiritual point here. I, I got a great illustration going here. It's going to be very effective. All right. All right. They're going to dance a little bit for us. And Willie's the Holy Spirit. And Jackie's the church. All right? And communion is moving together as one. And that's what dancing is. All right, guys. You got, is that music? Can you relate to his music?
Isn't that sweet? <laughs> I, I think you're playing the wrong kind of music. But I don't want nothing at all. If it ain't you, baby. If I got you, come on, holy people. Some people want diamond ring. Some just want everything. But everything means nothing. Thank you, Willie. That is making my message so much more effective here today. Now, you see how they were moving together? And Willie's leading and Jackie's following, sort of. <laughs> and they're just moving together, synchronized, in harmony, just moving together. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants with each and every one of us. Kononia, communion with the Holy Spirit. Not just in church. Not just when God's moving and the, ain't singles, the saints are singing and the angels are, are singing. But, but when we're living life, He wants us to moving with Him. Taking kids to school and picking them up. On the way to work and returning. While I'm at work and while I'm at home. God wants us to move together as one in the Holy Spirit. And that's what our goal is. And if we can do that, we can have the kind of relationship with God, the kind of spiritual health and maturity that we need, and God can use us in such a more great and wonderful way if we'll learn how to be a dance partner throughout the day with the Holy Spirit. You know, to be spiritual, you don't have to give up your job, move to the woods or the desert, and live in a commune lifestyle. You can live right here in Beaumont, Texas, Jefferson County, and, and you can live right here and have an intimate walk with God, and God can use you, and you can live the lifestyle you live today, raise the kids you're raising, work on the job you're working on, and have a great relationship with God and walk in the communion of God. What I'm doing is combating the false idea that for me to get really spiritual, I need to go live somewhere by myself. And, and, and get rid of my telephone and my television. And don't call up the internet for anything. And that's really not what God is saying. God made this thing so the Holy Spirit could be with us wherever we are, whatever we're doing. He could be with us and we could be in communion with Him. That's why Jesus said in John chapter 16, He said, it is to your advantage that I go away. Now, if someone you love, someone you admired, someone you cherished said, you know what, I'm going to die and I'm going away, you'd say, no, 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 don't talk like that. You're not going to die. I don't want you to die. Don't die. So that's what the disciples said to Jesus when he said, I'm going to die. No, 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 Jesus, don't say that. Jesus said, it's better for you that I go away. Because when I go away, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit back to you. And He will not just be with you, He will be in you. So the day of the Holy Spirit is the greatest day 
God's children has ever had. This is the new covenant that is a better covenant than the old covenant because the Holy Spirit is within us. And whatever life we're living, wherever, whatever generation we're born to, and whatever culture we are part of, the Holy Spirit is in us and we can commune with Him and live the life that we live in our world. Jesus said, it is to your advantage that I go away. When the Holy Spirit comes into us, we have the privilege of direct communication. We have the privilege of sharing in His divine nature and His divine character. We become His ambassadors. We become, become His partners in everything. We are His hands. We are His feet. And we begin to act out the things that He wants done on the earth. So infinitely far and away, it is to our advantage to have the Holy Spirit living in us as opposed to all of us huddling around Jesus trying to hear his words or touch the hem of his garment. And so that's why in these last days, God has poured out the Holy Spirit on us so that we could walk with him in communion. Now, the challenge of communion of the Holy Spirit is first of all our lifestyle and secondly, it's sin. Now, it's not sin around us. It's not the world. It's not the environment. It's not who's next door. It's not what's on the television and what's on the internet. It's not about what's happening in society. That's not the sin that interferes with my communion. The sin that interferes with my communion is the sin within. What my neighbor does has little effect on me and the communion with the Holy Spirit. But what sin is in me has a very direct effect. Let's go to Galatians chapter 5 and look at verse 16. Paul writing again said, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now the lust of the flesh means the strong craving desires of the flesh that tend toward um, bondage and control. And so he said, Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit is a communion of the Holy Spirit. Walk in the Spirit, and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So the lust of the flesh is that ungodly, sinful nature in all of us that rises up, that is selfish and self-centered and self-pleasing. Those things which are not like God and contrary to His nature. And every day we have to wake up and say, flesh, you got to die. Crucify the flesh, Paul said. And in the morning, you got to get up again and say, flesh, you got to die. Because I'm going to walk in the Spirit. I'm going to walk in the communion of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to do the will of God. And I'm not going to do the will of my flesh. And that is a way of life. And there's no way to, to get beyond that. Every day that we live, you got to get up and say, flesh, today, one more time, you have to die. And the day you stop telling your flesh to die and start giving it expression, it will begin to grow and control you and sin will take over your life. It doesn't matter what happened before that. Even if you were a Christian for many years, you let the flesh live one day and the flesh will start to produce the things of the flesh. So every day, the flesh has got to die. He went on to say, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And they're contrary to one another, so that they do not do the things that you wish. So in me there are two wills. There's a, there's a carnal nature that wills to do selfish, self-centered, self-pleasing things. And then there is a will in me to do the will of God. 
the right things, the good things, the righteous things. And these two wills are always in combat. The real me is to do the right thing. That's the real me. You need to decide who the real you is. The real me is the one that wants to do the right thing. That's the real me. That's the real me that Christ redeemed. That's the real me that Christ cleansed with his blood. That's the real me that the grace of God operates through. That's the real me that God sees. That's the real me that God is bringing out. That other guy, he's not the authentic, genuine me. He's the one that was yesterday. He's the one that died when, with, with Christ on Calvary. He's the one that has to die every day in terms of my will. And so communion with the Holy Spirit hinges upon crucifying the flesh and walking in the Spirit. Now I want to go to uh, 1 John chapter 1 and look at verse 5. This is the message which we have heard from Him and declare to you, that God is light, and in him and there and in him no dark there is no darkness at all now he compares light and darkness righteousness and wickedness sin and and godliness if we say that we have fellowship notice that word fellowship it is a greek word koinonia if we say we have koinonia with him and walk in darkness now remember darkness is sin we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship, there's that word koinonia again, with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and the word is not in us. And so the challenge on this koinonia with the Holy Spirit is the sin that lives within. It's not the sin without, it's the sin that lives within. In our lives, there are sins that are obvious, sins on the surface, sins that are lifestyle sins, sins that anybody can see. And then there are sins that are beneath the surface. There are layers of sin. Let me give you a story from the New Testament that illustrates what I'm talking about, about sins that are on the surface and sins that are obvious versus those that seem to be hidden in our heart, areas of darkness in our life. There was a young rich ruler that came to Christ, and he came running to Christ with enthusiasm and excitement and said, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus must have said, yes. This is the kind of person I've been looking for. All you have to do is obey the Ten Commandments. The young man said with excitement, These I have done since I was a little boy. I've never broken them. I've got all the big ten checked off, and I have none of those going on in my life. I must be good. But then he said, Is there anything else? And Jesus must have said something like this. Well, now that you mentioned it, Go and sell all that you have and give to the poor. And the Bible said the rich young ruler went away sorrowfully. See, he was good dealing with all the surface sins. 
Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery. I mean, he was good with all that stuff. He had them all checked off. But when Jesus said, I want to go just beneath that, because in all of us, there is another layer of sin. There are hidden sins underneath that must be revealed by God. And Jesus saw beneath the surface. On the surface, his life looked probably better than mine or yours or anyone else's. But Jesus looked at underneath the surface of his life, there was a hidden sin. There was a greedy attachment to his wealth. And he refused to give it up. And therefore, he went away sorrowfully. So what happens after we've got our life pretty well fixed? And on the surface, we're good, respectable Christian church members, good citizens doing what's right on the surface. And we've got the big ten covered. And then the Holy Spirit says, I want to go to another level. And I want to show you something that you may not have known even existed. You see, the Holy Spirit is all about searching out our hearts and lives and revealing to us hidden sin that we don't even realize is there. If you've lived for the Lord any period of time, you have at some point already awakened to a sin the Holy Spirit revealed in your heart that you didn't even know was there. It wasn't so much a lifestyle issue. It could have been unforgiveness or bitterness or resentment or out-and-out unbelief. It could have been a lot of things like pride and a tinge of rebellion that can just lurk in your heart, pockets of darkness that the light of God has not filled. And it takes the Holy Spirit to come inside of us and show us patterns and reveal to us attitudes and conditions of the heart that we would never know it. Someone else might know it, but it's a blind spot to us. Your spouse may know it. Your children may know it. Your parents may know it. Your work associate may see it all the time. But to you, you're blinded by it until the Holy Spirit shines his light. And then suddenly, you can see it. Then you have the opportunity, just like the rich young ruler, to say, I repent of that sin, or no, I cling to that sin. I justify that sin, or I denounce that sin. You see, communion with the Holy Spirit is not about just looking right on the outside, but it's allowing the Holy Spirit to get really deep involved in our lives and show us things that we didn't know existed and revealed us sin that we didn't even know was there. So I want to encourage you in your pursuit of the Holy Spirit and encourage you that you allow the Holy Ghost to reveal things in you that you didn't know was there. Maybe no one else did. Maybe they didn't. But reveal to you the things that are hidden in your heart. And then when he does, say, yes, I repent. I denounce. I don't want that in my life. That is not acceptable. It is at at that point that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you and you're washed and you're empowered by his grace to overcome the sin. But as long as I justify it, argue with it, replay the videos in my mind of how this happened and that happened and as a result I feel this way and it's justified because in this situation and that, as long as you keep playing that argument over and over again, there's no forgiveness and there's no deliverance. But when we just humble our hearts before God and say, Father, you're right, I'm wrong. Now, John talks about some pretty deep stuff here that I can't go into today. But one thing he said, he said, if you say you have no sin, you're a liar. 
I like the Bible more all the time because it tells the truth. And then he said, if you say you have not sinned, you make God a liar. So in one place he says, if you say you have no sin, you're a liar. And he said, if you have, say you have not sinned in the past, you make God a liar. So the, the thing we have to do is, is understand that sin grows in our hearts. It grows. Like weeds in your flowers, it grows in the, in the soil of this sinful human being. And we are constantly picking the weeds out. We're constantly saying, that can stay, this has got to go. We're constantly waking up one morning and there's something shot up in my heart that was not like God, that was not there yesterday, but it's here today and it's got to go. Because the soil of our sinful soul produces sin. And it is a constant search to get the sin out of our life. You see, every new situation, every day that dawns, every season of life you wake up in has the potential to create temptations and to create sinful attitudes and responses in your heart and mind. Every new day has new opportunities for sin. And so we say in agreement with God's word, I am a sinner. I have sinned. There is sin in my heart. It's up to the Holy Spirit to help me find that sin and to get it out of my life. I start with agreeing with God. That's where I start. I agree with you, God. I have sinned in the past, and there's sin in my heart now. Now, Holy Spirit, help me find it, and together, let's get it out of our lives. And that's what produces the communion of the Holy Spirit. You see, light chases out darkness, but darkness cannot chase out light. All the darkness of the world cannot put out the light of one single candle. But one single candle can chase light from around it, darkness from around it. And so we need the light of God in our heart to chase out the darkness and make sure the light is shining and the darkness is fleeing. Can you say amen? In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. Let me get there with you. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. Paul writing said, But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Now notice the word spirit in this verse. The S is not capitalized. And when you read your Bible... If the word spirit is used and the S is capitalized, it means it's a direct reference to the Holy Spirit. If it is not capitalized, it means it's referring to something besides the Holy Spirit. Our Bible translators added that to help us understand the divinity of the Holy Spirit. So there are several kinds of spirit. The first great category is the Holy Spirit himself That's the third person in the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, and always capitalized. Then beneath that, there are other spirits in the world. Uh, First of all, there are angelic spirits, spirits of God. And then there are demonic spirits, and that's a whole realm, a whole category of angelic spirits that influence and have activity in our world today. 
Then there are human spirits. Each and every one of us, we are a spirit at the core of our being. We are a spirit being created in the image of God. We live in a body and we have a soul. In the same way that God is a triune God, three in one, we are a triune being. We are three in one. We are spirit, soul, and body. At the core of our being is our spirit man. The core of our being, we are spirit. So every one of us, we are a spirit. We live in a body. We have a soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions. Now, my spirit um, can take on various uh, uh, influences. My spirit can become anything. A demonic spirit can influence me, and my spirit takes on the nature and the character of a demonic spirit. Or my human spirit can take on the nature and the character of the Holy Spirit. Paul said, walk as one. Let your human spirit take on the nature and the character of the Holy Spirit so that your spirit and God's spirit becomes one. And I want to illustrate that with you today. Now, this is just a simple bottle of water. And let's say that this bottle of water represents... um, This bottle of water represents the human spirit. You could put a lot of things in this water and make pretty much anything you wanted. Like I could take some concentrated cleaning fluid, pour it in this bottle of water, shake it up, and I'd have some pretty powerful cleaning fluid, right? Um, Or I could take this little package of Kool-Aid type stuff and I could pour it in. All right, and so I am mixing in the water just a little bit of Kool-Aid, and guess what happens? Shake it up a little bit, and what was just plain water now is Kool-Aid. So when your human spirit is like a, a bottle of water, and you can put anything you want in this spirit water, your spirit can become laced with lust or greed or materialism or selfishness or apathy, whatever you put in your water, that's what it's going to be. Or you can be filled with the Holy Spirit and water turns into Kool-Aid and your spirit turns into reflection of the Holy Spirit. So what do you want your human spirit to be like? The culture, the environment that we live in? The culture, the environment, the spiritual condition of the people maybe you work with or the people in your neighborhood and sometimes even in your family? Or do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Because this is what Paul was saying when he said to, that when your spirit is joined to God, you are, when you're joined to God, you are one spirit. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit comes into us. The key is staying filled with the Spirit. Because we are constantly influenced by other spirits and other influence that color us other than the color of the Holy Spirit. Our spirits have to be cleansed and washed and refilled over and over again with the Holy Spirit so that we are filled with the Spirit and we're having that impact and we're having that expression to the world so that your water 
is full of the Holy Spirit. Your spirit is full of Him. That's becoming one with Him. So today I've talked to you about four goals during this season. Four goals. Do you remember what they were? Number one, I set, it my, I set it a goal to, be more, to have a heightened awareness of the Holy Spirit. Just an awareness of the Holy Spirit. Now remember, in church doesn't count. We're talking 24-7, at work, at school, at home, wherever you are. A heightened awareness of God. The second goal was increased communication. Increased communication. Not like I'm going to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and pray for an hour for the next month. That's good. Do that. But that's not what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about stealing those moments during the day and inserting God into your life and to your routine and enjoying the communion of the Holy Spirit, little points, little segments of time throughout the day. Heightened awareness, increased communication. Thirdly, becoming more responsive to the Holy Spirit. More responsive to the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit, if you listen, is always speaking. And if you watch, He's always doing something. You may work in a heathen environment. You may work with people that don't know God, don't want to know God, don't like God, don't like people that like God, and you feel like you're the only one there that has any godliness about them. God's working in that environment right now. See, God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And what you and I need to remind ourselves is, is that God's trying to save every human on this planet at this very moment. And the person that seems to have the least interest in God, the least interest in church, the least interest in the Bible, God is working in that person's life right now. The question is, are we going to work with God or against God? Are we going to see that person as someone God loves and cherishes and is trying to save at this moment? Or write them off as a probably not ever? We prejudge people. We size them up and we assume that they're never going to want to live for the Lord. And we forget how much God loves every human on this planet. And how at this moment, every living, breathing human is being pursued by the Holy Spirit for salvation at this very moment. Even the one you think is least likely or is the most resistant of the gospel. So the question is, am I going to work with God or just write people off and lump them into a category of hopelessness? So be responsive to the Spirit. He's working around you everywhere. He's doing something all the time. But, you know, we just get our blinders on, mental blinders. We don't see it. We don't know it. We don't even think he is, and we just get our mental blinders on. And all of our life is about us. All of our prayer is inward, about my, me, and mine. And so little of our prayer is outward. So little of our focus is what's happening in somebody's life. Our problems seem to be so big, we don't have time to help someone else carry theirs. Live outward. Pray outward. Be concerned outward and let God use you in a a way that maybe you've never been used before. See the world as God's harvest field. Jesus said, lift your eyes and look to the fields for they are white. It wasn't because he was standing in a certain agricultural region. 
He didn't say that because it was a certain unique time of the year when all the harvest was ripe. He was giving us a principle about life. He was saying, the fields are white. The Holy Spirit is loose on the earth, and I'm working in every single life. But we're like, no, nobody seems to want the Lord. And we've asked them, and they said no, and they don't want to talk about it. And they make fun of Christians, and they don't believe in the Bible. And and we write them off. And Jesus is saying, no, the fields are white. You don't know what I'm doing behind the scenes. You don't know what I'm doing in their heart. You don't know that that's all a front they put up. How do they remember when you had a front you put up? And so, if we have a heightened awareness of God, if we increase our communication, and if we're more responsive to God, then God will be able to use us to bless and help other people at a level we've dreamed of. You can close your Bibles now. basis at a new level. Help us, O oh God, to walk in the fullness of the koinonia of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to take a moment and pray in the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask you to do that with me. If you pray in tongues, pray in another language, do that with me right now. You ready? Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you, Father. We praise your name. Father, let a connection be made in our spirits that's not broken when we walk out the door. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Father, we're asking you for an outpouring of your spirit, a sovereign move. But, Lord, we don't want to just have it in your house. We want to have it all the time. Thank you for it, Father. Thank you for it, Father. We worship you. We praise your name.
we worship you and we praise your name. Thank you, Jesus. Chris, do you know that song, Welcome Holy Spirit? Welcome Holy Spirit. We are in your presence. Fill us with your power. Live inside of me. Welcome, Holy Spirit. We are in your presence. Fill us with your power. Live inside of me. Thank you, Father. Welcome, Holy Spirit. We are in your presence. Fill us with your power. Live inside of me. Welcome, Holy Spirit. We are in your presence. We are in your Fill us with your power, live inside of me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for it, Father. We worship you. We praise your name. Thank you for it, Father. Thank you for it, Father. We worship you. Thank you, Jesus. Be responsive to the Holy Spirit right now. Just be responsive. His wings are over us. Be responsive to the Holy Spirit. Thank you for it, Father. 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 If you're here today and you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, we'd like for you to come forward. We want to pray with you. Pastors and elders, please position yourself for ministry. And if, if you've never been born again and been saved and given your heart to the Lord, come forward for that. If you have been saved, born again, and you want to be filled with the Spirit, please come forward. We want to pray with you. If you want to be filled with the Spirit, where the Spirit of God comes into you, and your, whole, your human spirit takes on the nature, the color of the Holy Spirit, then come down. We want to pray with you. If you feel like there's a wall between you and God, 
and you want that wall to be removed. Maybe you're not even sure what that wall is, but you just feel like it's like you just keep hitting something. And, and you know there's a, a closer, deeper, more intimate walk with Him, but you feel like you're just kind of hitting the wall. Come down, we want to pray with you. There might be someone here tonight, today that, um, you know, I talked about how that sin can lie hidden in your heart. And the Holy Spirit makes you to know it. You've got to respond to it. If that's you, you need prayer for forgiveness. To have that removed out of your life. You don't have to tell us anything intimate or personal about your life. We can pray for you if you'll just point us in the right direction. So I'm going to ask the congregation to stand. And if you need prayer ministry in any of these areas, please come down right now. This altar is open. We're waiting for you. There's nothing worth more that could ever come close. No thing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, Lord. Father, I've tasted and seen. I'm the sweetest of love When my heart becomes free And my shame is undone And your presence, Lord Come on, invite him So we say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here Come close